Today we are witness to some of the worst emergencies of our time, from the brutal war in Syria to the global refugee crisis. But there are many emergencies that don't make the headlines. This year, the FT's seasonal appeal is in support of the medical humanitarian organization Médecins Sans Frontières, or Doctors Without Borders. Our medical teams are working tirelessly to provide free medical care to some of the world's most desperate people. To support our life-saving work, please visit msf.org.uk slash ft. Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today, in a special episode to showcase our seasonal appeal this year, we hear from a doctor who's been at the front lines of emergency care in conflict zones from Yemen to the Central African Republic with Médecins Sans Frontières. As I'm driving along the road now, I can see... Every sort of 500 metres or so, another bombed-out car, another bombed-out petrol station, another truck. It means it's really, it's really impossible to find somebody with a car who's willing to take a patient, uh, particularly in an emergency, uh, for an hour on these roads. That's Dr. Natalie Roberts speaking in an audio diary she recorded for MSF while in Yemen. It's probably another 30 minutes in the car until I get to this health post, uh, driving along the roads... Uh, there's been planes flying overhead, but they haven't for the last hour, so I'm hoping it, it just stays quiet like that. Uh, I have a big MSF flag on top of the car, and again, for me, that's my, that's my security, and I hope the, the pilots have good vision. I'm Maggie Fick, West Africa correspondent for the FT. I met Dr. Natalie Roberts in the course of my reporting on MSF's response to a humanitarian crisis affecting 11 million people already terrorized by the militant group Boko Haram in Nigeria and neighboring Chad, Niger, and Cameroon. In the nearly five years that Natalie, an emergency doctor from the UK, has worked for MSF, she has spent two years at the front lines of the wars in Syria and Yemen, She's run an MSF inflatable hospital in Tacloban after a typhoon devastated the city in the Philippines. And she's worked amid conflict in the Central African Republic and East Ukraine. Natalie later spoke with me from MSF France's office in Paris, where she is now part of a small leadership team focused on emergency interventions. When I decided I wanted to be a doctor, I also then, you know, thought I wanted to work overseas and I wanted to, you know, in in a slightly cheesy way, help people. And I think when you start looking into that, even at that point of time, you know, in the 90s, I, I really kind of found out that MSF were the people to go to. They were pretty much the, the main organisation that, that did that type of thing. And, um, you know, they, they were then, they are now, they're more well known now. But, but even back then, it was pretty clear that MSF was the, was the organisation that was, was most able to take me to places I wanted to go. I mean, when I was a young age... You know, I completely thought that MSF meant I'd be bouncing around, you know, in the back of a back of a land cruiser in in uh, in the African bush. And actually, yes, I did end up doing some of that. But I don't think that, that really it's quite clear that in MSF you're not going to be, you know, seeing every patient yourself. You don't need to be the doctor on the ground because you're mostly working in places where where other people are the doctors on the ground, and you're trying to help the local population help each other. Um, so you're, you know, you're trying to employ local staff to, to work together, but of course putting in then the, the principles of MSF and bringing them the, the tools and the equipment they need and, and teaching them how, you know, our, our principles and our, our way of working. And I don't think that was really 
obvious to me until I until I actually hit the ground with MSF and realised that it wasn't for me to to be seeing every patient myself. I don't speak the language for a start usually. So really it was this idea of, of being a manager, of, of managing projects, of of understanding what we needed to do. And I, I think that wasn't that was quite different um, than I than I was expecting, but actually quite satisfying. In June 2015, following missions in Syria and Turkey, Dr. Roberts was sent by MSF to Yemen. Now, this was a couple of months after airstrikes by a Saudi Arabia-led coalition had begun, and Dr. Roberts described to me that the places where she went to treat patients and work with local health professionals were pretty much being carpet-bombed. Since the Saudi campaign began, more than 10,000 people have been killed. The fact that she was there at all, amid a war that has been very difficult for news organizations, including the FT, to cover because of the dangers on the ground, highlights how MSF is one of the few humanitarian organizations helping people in the most dire need in the world's most dangerous conflict zones. I think both in Yemen and, and my times in, in Aleppo in Syria were, were times when I was constantly uh, afraid. Um, for myself, for my staff, for the team, for our patients. Um, I, you know, I think every every time I was in certain parts of Yemen, I would I would just think, well, I don't know how long we can stay here for. Um, there were times when I was doing some training sessions in a, in a hospital in North Yemen, and and there were you know there, there was a plane flying overhead that was bombing almost immediately next to the hospital, and at that point I just thought, well, this is really quite a crazy thing to be doing. Um, you think about yourself, you think about your team, you're the person who's who's not just responsible for your own, you know, self, and maybe you've done a stupid thing by putting yourself at risk, but if you've asked people to come and work with you and you've you've given people confidence to stay in a certain place, um, even given patients the confidence to come to a hospital because you've said, you know, MSF is here and we'll provide healthcare, that means that patients will leave their homes to come to the hospital and then... Then you kind of lost that uh, that ability to protect them um, or to, to offer them any form of protection. So I think probably the times in Yemen and in Syria where we were we were kind of never quite sure when the next airstrike was going to happen. Um, really, then you just you you think, well, this is maybe quite a crazy thing to be doing, and uh, you do worry about what you're putting people through. It's been a really intense week. I've been uh, camping out in an office of a, of a hospital with the idea that it was the safest place to sleep um, in the hope that that wouldn't be a, a target for bombing. And it wasn't really the most ideal sleeping location. Again, hot on a second floor, plenty of windows. So although you don't feel like the hospital will be targeted, it's still very difficult to sleep when you hear the sound of bombing going on all around you. Um, That's another clip Natalie so, recorded for MSF while in Yemen. Can you tell me about any of your patients, any of the people you encountered during your time in Yemen? Yeah, I was I was sleeping in a hospital um, up in North Yemen. Um, uh, so I was the only international staff member and, and I'd been sleeping there overnight and trying to help the, the medical staff on the ground to set up the hospital and to run an emergency room to stabilize patients. And I got woken really quite early in the morning and asked to come down to the emergency room. And when I got there, there was there was one one alive patient, one small girl sitting on a bed, and then there was uh, uh, unfortunately a dead body in the room as well. 
And the story came out that the girl had been hiding in a cave in a village nearby um, with her family and there'd been an airstrike on the cave. So as I was told the story, you know, I, I didn't see it myself, but as I was told, the entire family had been, been killed and this girl was the only survivor. Um, and she'd been brought down to the hospital because she had a, a wound on her leg, but it, it wasn't a very large wound. And she was just sort of sitting on the bed, completely sort of shell-shocked. She was probably about five or six years old, not speaking, and just with some neighbours, some people from the village, who um, who brought her down there and kind of put her on the hospital bed. And we, we treated her wound and, you know, heard the story of what had happened. And then we had no clue what to do with her, really. But at the same time, it, you know, there was very little we could do with her. We, we treated her medically, um, and we had no, no other resources there. And, and even the people that had come with her were saying, well, we need to go back home because it's very dangerous, there's lots of airstrikes. So they basically just picked her up and, and took her home. But we don't even know who she went home with. I mean, we assume they were her neighbours, that's what they said. But um, it's, it's really kind of unclear. And this is the problem in all these zones. Is in Britain, if a, a small girl came in with people who weren't her family, you know, she would, be, she would be kept in the hospital, you would start speaking to social workers, you would try and work out what's going on. In Yemen, you just make sure that she survived, and, and uh, that was pretty much the most we could do. How has your work with MSF changed who you are as a doctor? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. As a doctor with MSF, you're not just a doctor. You don't turn up the way you do as a doctor in the UK to either your GP practice or your hospital and, and just, you know, pick up the charts and start seeing a patient. You know, with MSF, you might turn up to, the, to somewhere we've never been before and have to work out what the needs are and what we need to do. And sometimes the needs are food or water or, you know, they're, they're still linked to health. People, people will starve if they don't eat. Um, you know, people will die if they don't have access to clean water. And there's that sort of aspect that, again, you don't really think about when you join MSF. You kind of imagine yourself just being in a different place, seeing patients. But actually, in the end, you're, you're doing some dirty work sometimes um, and getting involved and sleeping in strange places. And, and, and that's quite interesting. And, and I think also what they don't really, what you don't really think about with MSF is you kind of assume that everybody's going to be very grateful for your work and that you're going to turn up somewhere and, and everyone's going to think you're amazing and thank you so much for sacrificing your life to come and help me. Um, and it doesn't usually work out like that because actually they're in the worst circumstances. Usually they're in a war or they've you know, they become refugees or they're going through the worst time of their life. So they're not going to take the time to, to think, oh, maybe this person's left their job in Britain to come and help me. They, they don't usually say thank you and actually... I quite quickly realised that they shouldn't have to say thank you. They shouldn't have to be incredibly grateful for having a very basic standard of healthcare provided for them. And before we go, tell me a bit about what you're doing now in Paris. I work on what we call the emergency unit. So, I mean, pretty much everything MSF does is some element of emergency. But but really, my, my team is working on, on the real kind of immediate emergencies. So that's what I'm always focused on. But that doesn't mean that there's not other situations that aren't so important. It's just... I work on the emergencies, and what we're handling right now is, yeah, Iraq, the situation that's happening in, in Mosul, um, North Nigeria, so there's, there's a real nutrition um, emergency happening in, in northern Nigeria right now, um, and so we're working quite heavily on that. We're still following Yemen for the moment because that, that war is still ongoing, and the situation in Libya. So those are the ones that we're really following right now in, in our unit, but there's always ongoing in the background. Central African Republic is, is still not stable. Syria is, is still not stable. There's, there's all these countries that we keep on the radar. Um, and we're still working with, with MSF. And, and for me, I kind of keep monitoring what's happening to see 
where we can get involved if needs be. Natalie, thanks so much for talking to me. No problem. That's it for this week. If you would like to contribute to Médecins Sans Frontières and our seasonal appeal, go to ft.com/seasonalappeal. This podcast was produced by Amy Keane.